0: Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon.
1: Thank you for praying with me, John chapter uh, number 10, and we're going to get into our lesson here. I hope that you um, are enjoying this at least half as much as I am teaching it, uh, because there is something so powerful about walking in confidence in God. Amen. Walking in confidence, knowing, uh, you, remember the, you remember the first day on the job when you were trying to convince people you knew what you were doing but deep down inside you know you didn't know what you were doing you know it because you see those people at work right now don't you they but they've been there 10 years and they still don't know what they're doing right but you walk in remember you thought i can do this but deep down inside you're like can i do this right and then all these years pass, not only can you do that, but you can do above that, beneath that, on each side of that, you can do it backwards. Amen. And you have that confidence. It's not cockiness, it's confidence. So that when you show somebody else how to do it, you're not suggesting what they do. You're telling because this is how it works. What great liberty it is to walk in that kind of confidence with God. That I'm not hoping I'm saved. I'm not hoping I'm doing this right. But I've got confidence God hears me and and that God is speaking to me and that that I'm going to walk in his will. And that's a tremendous confidence to have in the Lord. Amen. John chapter 10 verse 26, our key scripture here. Uh, But you believe not because you're not of my sheep as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice. That's number one. I know them, number two. And they follow me, number three. And I give them eternal life And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them uh, me, is greater than all. No man shall be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. And so we key off of that, talking on knowing the will of God. And we're going to dive deeper into this tonight. And um, I, I just feel God is setting us up even through this, I I, I want to walk in a in a deeper dimension uh, with God and my confidence in Him. Amen. And so um, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we thank You for Your Word tonight. We thank You for the, the peace and the strength that there is through Your Word. I pray, Lord, that You would open our understanding, open our knowledge, give us wisdom, God, to be able to discern give strength in this place tonight, give affirmation and encouragement and direction in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Brother Lee, I want to say thank you so much for getting our church van. Um, they, uh, there's been an issue with getting the floor getting hot. And if you've rode in the van, uh, the floor gets really hot and, uh, they got all of that squared away and did it before the oil change and full service and all of that stuff to make sure our kids are are going down there safe. And thank you so much, Brother Lee, for doing that and getting that done so quick. We appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you what. If, uh, if you don't uh, have a mechanic, I know a guy. I know a guy, and they're better than your dealership. I, and more honest, I can promise you that. So uh, thank you so much, Brother Lee. Appreciate you. Amen. Um, we 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 are talking about knowing the will of God, and last week uh, we really uh, we really honed in on the fact that that having a relationship with God builds confidence in our our trust in the will of God, so to speak. And we talked about how important that is, and things don't come overnight; it, it takes time. Remember, we talked about that last week. We talked about you know, remember we talked about how. Great parents we were before we had children. Y'all remember when we talked about that. Remember how? Remember how we talked about all the great marriage advice we had when we were single, and all. But it took time before we realized we didn't know jack, right? We didn't know nothing. Amen. And uh, so we talked about that because because we have to uh, establish with with ourselves and with God that confidence in hearing and knowing. The voice of God and that we talked about um, that God will hide himself now now not salvation I want to be clear on that God doesn't hide salvation but he hides very particular things in Colossians chapter 2 we've keyed off on these verses just about every week I hope you're getting kind of familiar with them Colossians 2 and let's just go to verse uh, number 2 he says that their hearts might be comforted. Their hearts might be comforted uh, being knit together in love and into all riches and full assurance. Remember, we talked about the assurance of understanding. Amen. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. So he's there, there's an acknowledgement. There is a mystery of God. And then he goes on to say in verse number three, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So wisdom and knowledge are hit. it's a treasure that is hid in God amen and why is it hid in him? because uh, you, how many know this to be true you appreciate more what you worked for. you remember, you remember that uh, I, I remember uh, my dad he would he would you know buy us a four-wheeler I mean I, it would have been a whole lot cheaper if we'd bought it. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about or not, because it was 4 a.m., and he's kicking the bed, knocking us out of bed going, like, oh, it's a Saturday, let's go. Uh-uh. You got to pay me back for that four-wheeler. I got it for Christmas. That's a, that's a true story. It would have been cheaper if I had just sold a kidney and bought it myself. Because he was going to wear me out. You know, everything was, you know, well, I'm tired. Well, you enjoy riding that 4 wheeler. And then he eventually got around to one of his motives, Brother Chase. He would say, uh, you won't appreciate it if you don't work for it. I just gave it to you. You know, we had friends that got stuff, and, and, and they tore it up because they were just giving stuff. We, we, we worked for what we had. And uh, uh, we appreciated it a whole lot more. I remember buying my first pair of Doc Martin boots. That was a lot of money for me back then. They were about $115 for them Doc Martin boots. And I remember going to school and somebody almost scuffing my boots and almost getting in a fist fight because, hey, I paid for them boots. I know how hard I worked to get them boots. I'll go ruin the boots Mama got me for Christmas, but I'm not going to ruin these. I worked for them. The same principle applies in living for God. Salvation is free. We are saved by grace through faith. You don't work for salvation, right? Be very clear. But once you get past salvation, there are some things that I don't even want to use the term work. Uh, I really don't even want to use the word uh, earned. But there are some things you have to walk through before God can trust us with the value of what he's about to give us. That makes sense. Like I said last week, you don't don't hand the keys of your new car to a 10-year-old. Right. You don't don't give a 7-year-old $10,000 and tell them to go to the store and have fun. They can't comprehend it. Uh, They they can't even understand it. So so the Bible says in Colossians uh, 2 and 3, in whom whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Then verse 4, he says, This I say unto you, Lest any man... Should beguile you or should deceive you with a fancy speech or with enticing words that they're they're fork tongued. They can speak out of both sides of their mouth. Because if if you are in Christ, we talked about that a few weeks ago. If you are discovering the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ, no man can deceive you. I see people deceived. Uh, I, unfortunately, I've had friends that are deceived to this day um, and have left uh, truth. And it's a hurtful thing. I don't say it boastfully. I've had dear friends, dear friends of the faith walk away. And not just walk away from, from separation. I mean walk away. They don't believe in baptism anymore. They, don't, they, don't, they, 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 they believe in a triune Godhead of three persons. They, they walk away from it. Heart wrenching to see this happen. And you wonder how could they be so brilliant and yet deceived at the well, the Bible says that you gotta have a love for the truth. And then the Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. Just remember if 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 you put a price tag on truth, hell's always got the payment for it. Buy the truth, sell it. Don't even put it in the window for display. Hold on to it. When you find it, what, what did Jesus say? When you find a treasure in a field, you go sell everything and buy the field. You don't buy the treasure. You're buying the field. You're, you're, getting, you're getting the rocks in the field. You're getting the thorns and the bristles. You're getting the field rats. You're getting the snakes. You're getting everything. But you real, I'm not going to let all of that stuff discourage me because I know what's in it. So I may have to put up with some reptiles and some rodents, and I may have to put up with some thorns and thistles, but I'm going to hold on because I know that there is a treasure in this field. And it don't make sense to anybody else. Amen. Uh, Because one of these days I'm going to be out hunting for some food when up from the ground will come a bubbling crew. Oil, that is. Black tea. Amen. (laughs) Texas gold. Praise God. Old Jethro didn't know he was just shooting at a rabbit. Amen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's Beverly Hillbillies from the 1950s. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and he shoots at a rabbit and oil comes up. How many generations of the Clampets have been sitting on that mountainside in Tennessee, amen, and, and living poor as Job's turkey, and, and all of a sudden he misses a rabbit and there's all coming up out of the ground. And now they're fabulously wealthy and living in Beverly Hills. Amen. Now, and, and Granny's got her cement uh, pond. Amen. <laughs> Talking about flashbacks. Amen. And had all of that, that time. Amen. L- listen, I, I think that there are things in God that are, that are so invaluable in our walk with God that we can't even comprehend until... That circumstance reveals itself for us to know God in that manner. But we don't get it searching for the four by four square inches of where the oil might shoot out of. We buy the whole mountainside. Amen. How how many have known God to do things in your life that when you step through the other side of, you say, I didn't think I was going to make it through that. I didn't think I was going to make it through that. Matter of fact, let me just be honest with you. I don't, I don't mean to sound you know, hyperbolic here, but there's been more than a few times in my walk with God, I've thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. And it wasn't because I didn't have faith. And then you get through it and you look back and go, I did make it. I didn't think I was going to make it. I, a lot of people didn't think I was going to But I made it by the grace of God. How do you make it? How do we do that? We keep seeking Jesus. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler. Just just in case, you know, there's so much suspense built up right now, like what week is pastor going to drop this great revelation on us of knowing the will of God? I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it right now. It's the Bible. And I hope I don't disappoint you by saying that. But it's this. If we keep seeking after Jesus because in him is hid the treasure of wisdom and not just the treasure but all treasure of wisdom and knowledge. So he can't just give us all this wisdom and knowledge without us having walked with him. There's some things you earn. You know, when you're married a while, there's some things you earn in that marriage, right? You earn earn the right to to have a bad day and them still be kind. You've earned the right for them to have a bad day and you still be kind. Now, your new co-worker maybe hasn't earned that right. My my wife has earned the right to say things to me that I probably ain't going to let anybody else say men and, and I've earned and I'm not talking about being hateful or uh, uncouth or, or vicious or whatever but men in that relationship we've earned the right to speak to our spouse or our children in a way that if somebody else did it we're going we're gonna to have a big issue and I mean a big issue and you better, you better hope to God I'm prayed through you better hope to God I have prayed enough to keep that redneck down long enough to let you get out the room if you talk, right, if you talk to my children or my wife, why? Because we've been in, we have a relationship. You, you, did, did you ever, did you ever have uh, uh, somebody talk bad about your, your sibling and you get mad about it? And they said the same thing that you, you called them a booger head 30 minutes earlier in the house, but they get on the school bus and somebody else called them a booger head and you're going to fight with them. Why? Because that's my family. I've I've, I've put up with the noogies and the wedgies. I've put up with them drinking my Coke. I've put up with them breaking my toys, but I still love them. Living for God is not all that different from a scenario like that. Because when we have walked with him, God said, okay, you have earned some trust that you can come in closer to me and I can reveal to you some wisdom and knowledge. We, it wrecked the world if he just started giving all wisdom and knowledge to just everybody that wanted it. Believe me, it's in short supply. <laughs> Amen. You know, the, we have to be a student of all men. We, I, I try to take that approach in life that I can learn something from anybody. Amen. I'll tell you what I've learned. I've learned some folks don't learn. Amen, I've learned some people are some people are wise and some, some people are wise in reverse, right? But you learn from that, right? You learn from that. And one of the hardest, I was telling somebody the other, the other day, one of the hardest things to learn, if not the hardest thing to learn, is how to unlearn. Right? Even in God, we can develop some mindsets or some understandings, or we can get, I say we, let me just say me, because I know nobody here has ever done that. You can get in a rut in living for God. You can get in a kind of a zone of complacency, right? And then at some point, you have to say, no, if, if my misery is not based on my God. My misery is based on my satisfaction with mediocrity. And so I've got to learn to unlearn the things that brought me to this point but are now keeping me here. I want to go to the next level. Now to go to the next level, I've got to get in God. I've got to get in God. I've got to seek him more. Uh, Got got to have a prayer life. I've got to read the Bible for more than just fodder to win an argument or inspiration to get through a day. I need to fall in love with all of it, even the begats. I mean, you get in the begats and my Lord, and this one begat, that one begat, that one begat, that one begat. And it's like, my Lord, how much better would the world have been with a radio or something back then? I mean, it just begat, 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 begat. Amen. <laughs> but it's, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We, we have to get that understanding and that truth in us that, that God's word is everything I need. And for me to get more wisdom and knowledge, I have to dive deeper into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not, and I thank God for shouting and dancing and crying and weeping in the altars and speaking in tongues and praying with one another. But I'm going to tell you, that is only if you would, superficial in the overall view of everything. If our drive isn't to draw closer to him, then we're going to hover at that kindergarten, first grade level. Amen. Some people are like, well, I've been serving God for 15 years and I'm just not advancing. Well, it's because it's you're repeating the same grade for 15 years. You're still in school, you're just in the same grade. And the only way to get further is to get closer to him. And then the closer you get, but which let me just say this, the closer you get to God, the further away from stuff you get. The further away from the world and worldliness or world likeliness that you'll get away from. And you say, why do I have a problem with that? Fast for 48 hours. You want to see who's in control? Just fast for 40. And I'm, and I'm not even talking about, look, Daniel's fast challenge. I mean, water only. Let, the old timers didn't even do water only. They didn't do anything. They didn't do nothing. I remember my old pastor going, I think, seven days with nothing. No food, no water. And working for the Texas Highway Department. And I remember that church come Sunday morning. Uh, I was a kid, and I remember I thought he was going to die standing in front of us. And then his wife, uh, who was a nurse, finally convinced him to, before Sunday night to, to drink some uh, chicken broth. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you, you, you want to you know how close you are to God? Deny yourself. Deny. Your flesh will negotiate with you All of a sudden, your flesh turns to Johnny Cochran. I know what it says, but just one cinnamon roll, and I'm still on the fast, right? It'll negotiate because your flesh knows for you to get the hidden treasure. I've got to, and I talked about this last week, I cannot lean to my wisdom. I can't lean to my understanding. I've got to advance toward him. And for me to do that, I have to suspend my own preconceived ideas of God, the world, life, the Bible, and start moving in closer to him. Now, now let's let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, let's start at... um, Let's start at... Let's start at verse 7. I have verse 8, but let's start at verse 7 because I want to get the whom here. Um, In whom, it says in Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The reason why I'm wanting to establish this because I need to establish that the whom that we are speaking of is Jesus. So in Jesus, we have redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of Jesus, his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence everybody say all wisdom and prudence now now paul says he that is christ hath abounded toward us now i've been talking about us going toward christ because in him is hidden all wisdom and, and knowledge right but it lets me know that once I'm saved and I start starting to pursue my relationship with God, he's not going to stay hidden in the corner. But he's going to meet me. He's going to meet me. It says he hath to bounded toward us with us in all wisdom. So that lets me know God is you know the, the old saying is god likes to help those that help themselves in other words god will meet you at the point of your advancement but god is not going god's not going to come to where you are if there's no advancement on my part i've got to advance and god will advance and as i advance god advances toward us in all wisdom and prudence everybody say prudence amen now uh, let's have a little audience participation here. Uh, throw out a, a, a word that is a, a synonym with prudence. What do you think was a word that would also explain prudence? Huh? Precaution. Great. Wise. Yes. Another one. Discretion. Wonderful. Diligent. Keep throwing them out. We've exhausted the thesaurus. Okay. Those are all right. It is it is diligence. How about this? Careful. When you are prudent, when you are prudent, you are cautious. If you have a budget, which you should, you are prudent with your money. Right? So when you are Prudent with your money. Just because something's on sale doesn't mean you're going to get it. You have to have enough discipline to say, "Okay, I, I can afford it. I've got the money in the account, but I'm saving for something better." And so I'm going to have to do. This is the idea of prudence. It says, "Wherein he at the battle toward us in all wisdom and prudence, diligence, caution." So God is moving toward us in wisdom as we are moving toward him. But he is doing it with prudence. In other words, that lets me know he is watching me advance toward him and he is constantly evaluating my movement. Does that make sense? He is constant. that's what it says, in all wisdom and prudence. While I am advancing toward him, he is advancing toward me with prudence. He's watching, he's evaluating my advancement. Why? Because the wisdom and knowledge, this treasure is too powerful to be reckless with. Verse nine, having made known unto us The mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, oh, I wish I had time to get on that, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, This is where I want to get in on tonight. We have obtained an inheritance. Now, this this word predestined scares some people. Don't be scared. It's in the Bible. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, this is where... I want to go tonight, and I want to kind of settle in on before we go to next week. I need to, in the next few minutes, we need to, rather, come into an agreement that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in some, uh, you know, fly-by-night, froofy, you know, little emotional, oh, I'm a child of God. I mean, convinced that if you cut me open, I got my daddy's DNA, all right? Convinced he's my father, I'm his child. Because if we are not convinced that we're going to have a hard time with the inheritance part. We're going to have a hard time with the inheritance part because Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he is saying to them, I want you to understand that you are not just a bunch of, of new people that have come in out of nowhere. Remember, he would talk about you being the new vine grafted into the, uh, or the new branch grafted into the old vine and the old root system. The, the reason he's telling them that is to let them know you are connected to a heritage far beyond what your mind could ever comprehend. I know you are a Roman or you are uh, an Ethiopian or you are a Galilean or you are a Jew or or you are whatever uh, ethnicity you are but you are spiritually tied into something that is so much more incredibly vast than you could ever imagine. This is why he would write them and say that if you are in Christ you are of the seed of Abraham. That didn't mean anything uh, to the Gentile people because they didn't know who Abraham was but as the, the church leader, and the church fathers began to tell them, amen, of the rich history and the rich uh, biblical revelation that comes from being the seed of Abraham. The early church begin to get wide-eyed, and they realized, I'm a part of something that's a whole lot greater uh, than just a church that gets together. Amen, I'm a part of something a whole lot greater than a, than a pool of baptism that I came out of. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a part of the people of God. I am a I'm a part of the people of His namesake. Amen. I'm I'm not going to get into it this week, but I will in the following weeks talking about our inheritance. And I, and I want to say this: it it would be very uh, it would be very easy for me to kind of get stuck on. Uh, Just the blessings of Abraham, all the money and the wealth and all. But there's so much more that goes into it than that. That, That's really only scratching the surface. Amen. The greatest thing you're ever going to get from God is a relationship with him. Amen, because you can have all the money in the world, but if we don't have a relationship with God, what do we have? For the Bible said, what profit a man to gain the whole world and still lose his own soul? You can have the nicest car. You can have the biggest home. You can have the greatest job. You can have the, the deepest bank account in pockets, but it doesn't really matter if we don't have a relationship with Jesus. None of that. None of that even matters. You can have all knowledge and all wisdom. But if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, does it even really matter? You can have the greatest physique and the sharpest mind. But if we don't have Jesus, does it even really matter? The old song that uh, that we used to sing out of the hymnal was, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. Or to be the king of a vast domain. Amen. What they were saying was, there's nothing else that matters in this world more than my relationship. Relationship with Jesus Christ because in that, I'm connected to something greater than who I am. And and so so we understand that this this is a, uh, we call it the the New Testament or the Old Testament. They are testaments, which is a legal term, which means it is a binding contract. God says, if you will do this for me, I will do this for you. It, it, this is what he said. Now, you got to do what I'm requiring of you. you know, it's so funny. You hear all these people. They start quoting the blessings of Abraham. I'll give you houses you didn't build. You know, all these things. They start naming and claiming. all, And that's awesome. But they never read that next verse. This will I do if you obey me. All of it was contingent upon the obedient part. And people miss it, and and they, and and these preachers preach this stuff, amen. And they tell them that if you will just you know sow seed into my ministry, or you'll just drink this you know whatever uh, that I'll send you for nineteen ninety five. It's amazing that them and the infomercial guys have the same price. Nineteen ninety five, you can get a pillow, amen, and for nineteen ninety five, you can get a vial of water to drink from the Holy Land, amen. Unless that Holy Land is named you know Alabama, that's probably where it came from, amen. Hallelujah! You, you got to give me, but, but, and they miss it they, because the next verse, God is telling them everything that I have promised you that, that you'll have the land everywhere your foot shall tread upon and, and your seed shall be more vast than the sands of the seashore and the stars in the heavens. All of that was contingent for Abraham to obey God's word. Why? Because God is wanting us to establish covenant and relationship with him. Now, listen, I know this is old-fashioned. This is going to sound uh, is not as flashy as, as people would like it to be. But listen, everything goes back to obedience. It goes back to obedience. I, I, I dropped all of it. That's okay. I didn't need those notes. Amen. Thank you, Brother Lucas. All of it goes back to obedience to this will and testament right here. It's a legal binding contract. And I'm not the only one bound to it. God said, I'm bound to my own word. Matter of fact, God said, I am so bound to my own word that I have exalted my word above everything. Matter of fact, God would go even further than that. And he would say, not only have I exalted my word above everything, not only have I said my word, but I will tell you how strongly I feel about my word, that I am my word. So if God says, if I break my covenant, then I cease to be God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh. Yes, that's a great one God, mighty God in Christ scripture. But even more than that, it is the power of God's covenant with his people that says, if you will walk in covenant to this legal binding contract, I'm going to execute the will that I have for your life. If you are willing just to obey me. Amen. And, and obedience, is, it, it's not an easy thing necessarily. It's not. Because we have to deal with this flesh. Obeying God would be easy if we didn't have flesh to deal with. But we have to deal with flesh. Right? Or, or maybe I'm the only one. I know I have to deal with flesh. Amen. God says, do this, and my flesh says, you've lost your mind. Right? And then you say, no, 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 I'm a child of God. And, and here's God, let, let, me, let, me, let me give it to you a little, give you a Reader's Digest version of this. Because we've got to understand that we are God's children and that if we obey his word, his word, this is, this is not, this is vastly more than just a, 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 a book of stories collected over thousands of years. This is the word of God. Not a God, but the God. The one that spoke the heavens and earth into existence. The one that said, Let there be light and light shine. The one who formed man out of the dust of the earth. That same God said, He is His word. He says, If you do your part, I'll do my part. My part of obedience is to to try and be like Him, not in divinity. Not in divinity. I can't be like him in divinity. But to be like him in purpose and in character. And that's what's hard because my character and my nature is anti-God. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Right? It's anti-God. Your flesh don't want to pray. Right? Your flesh don't want to fat. Don't want to fast. It don't want to give. It don't want to come to church. Matter of fact, your flesh, to be honest, don't want to go to work. All our flesh wants to do is eat and sleep and then throw in a few vices that we shall not mention that our flesh would crave. Right? And and here we are born with this damnable nature. And it, it amazes me. You don't have to teach children how to lie. You have to teach them how to tell the truth. You don't got to teach them how to be lazy. Man, that's it's natural. You got to teach them a work ethic. Which might I say is probably a big part of what's wrong with our world today. You, you gotta teach them how to work, you gotta teach them how to be honest. Be, be, the same thing applies in our walk with God. Our basic nature tries to bleed over into our walk with God. It wants to be lazy, doesn't want to read the Bible. It doesn't want to pray. It doesn't want to give. It doesn't want to worship. It doesn't want to go to the house. of And so our flesh then tries to make God into the image of what we want God to be. Right? And and so we have to say, no, 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 i got to go back to this. Because here's what God says. God says, if you will come out from among them and be separate. Matter of fact, don't, don't, don't just be separate. Don't even touch the unclean thing. Then I will receive you unto me. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Then he took it a step further and said, I will be your father, and you will be my children. I, I want to I ask you something. Where are you in your walk with God? Is, is he just your God, or has he become your father yet? Now, he's promised that. i got to be really careful, because I don't want it to well, I guess you would. I guess you could take it however you want to take it. Well, Romans says in Romans eight, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what, the sons of God. To me, to me, does that seem a little indicative of the fact that you could be spirit filled and not be a spirit follower? I mean, I just want you to think on that. Listen. We're not going to have a theological debate on it because I'm not going. But it sounds to me like there is a possibility that I can be filled with the Spirit of God and not be a son of God. Now, that's what Paul said. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, just chew on that a little bit. Just think about that for a minute. For the people who would would be led of the Spirit, those would be the children of God. So this is what I'm asking. Are we in a point in our relationship where he is just our God, our Savior, and that's awesome and wonderful, or have we begun to walk in a deeper commitment with him where we said, I will follow you. I will go wherever you go. I'll do what you want me, and it's more than a song. I'll sing at an altar call, but I want to be with you. I want you to speak to me so I can follow. Amen. John 10, we just read it in our text. My sheep know my voice. Amen. They hear my voice. I know them and they follow me because there's dimensions to living for God there's depths to living for God and it's so important that 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 we get this understanding. I don't know how long this Bible study series is going to go. We could wrap it up next week. We could go for six months on this. I don't know. Uh, But here's what I do know. Before we start getting into the promises that we so desperately want to hear that we just think we're going to hold God's feet to the fire for all these promises, we have to know our role in this relationship. We have to know our role. We we got so many people. They'll go to prayer and say, "Well, God, you said you were gonna do this. You said you were gonna do that. You'd make a way where there would be no way. Well, you got in the way, right?" Come, let's be honest on Wednesday night with ourselves. Lord, you said you give me the desire of my heart, and this is what I want, and give it to me, Lord. And you said, and, and like God's up there going,
0: oh, yeah, you know, I
1: forgot about that. But could it be that we pray amiss more than we pray on point? I'm, I'm just on to, listen, I don't want this to be heavy. I just I want, I want to give you something to think about. And we start trying to hold God's feet to the fire. You said you were going to give me a house I didn't build. I was going to eat a vineyards I didn't plant. Everywhere we'll start marching. The sole of my foot shall tread upon that will you give unto me. But you ain't done two things God said to do in his word. And all of a sudden God's got to hold up his end of the deal. Well, God, if you'll do that, then I'll do this. It don't work like that. I'm so, I don't mean to bust any sanctified bubbles here tonight, but Think about it. This is what we do. Why? Because we carry over that nature that is anti-God. And we say, okay, this is how it worked in kindergarten. This is how it worked in third grade when the teacher proved to me that two plus two equaled four. God's not going to prove it to you. He's going to say two plus two equals yellow, accept it or not. You don't know, God? That doesn't make sense. It defies all logic. He goes, mm hmm. God, but two plus two is mathematical. Yellow is, is probably physics or at least biology. They don't go together. And God goes, mm hmm. You going to follow me or not? Well, Lord, could you explain it a little bit? Nope. I'm going to look foolish, probably. But people are going to think I'm weird. And let me let you in on a little secret. They thought you were weird before this. But God, surely you wouldn't put me in that position. Ask Joshua. Ask the children of Israel marching around the city. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ask Daniel. Ask David. Ask Paul. Ask Stephen. Ask Peter. Ask James. Ask John. Ask Ruth. Ask Naomi. Ask Abraham. Ask Jacob. God doesn't say, okay, here's my plan. You know, God don't call us in a huddle like on the football field. Okay, here's what we're going to do, boys. All right, here's here's, what. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to run. I'm going to fake a handoff this way. I'm going to fake a toss this way. And then I need you guys. I need you to run a post, and I need you to run a flag. And then I want you over here to do the, you know, the hoopty doodle over here. And then run that way. And I'm going to drop back, and I'm going to count to three Mississippi and turn around and look for the ball. He's not going to do that. He's just going to go, hut. And we got to go. We, we get our nature in it, and we turn it around. God, just show me. He's going, no, just follow. Follow what? The legal binding document. But I don't feel like it. It doesn't, it doesn't sound right. How many times do I tell somebody what the Word of God says? I don't know. It just doesn't sound right. No, it don't. It doesn't sound right to our flesh. Love those that hate us. That don't sound right. You know what sounds right? Punch them in the mouth. That sounds right. That sounds right. Come on, right? That sounds right to me. Somebody pops off, punch them in the mouth. That sounds, but that's not what Jesus, Jesus said, love them. And if they hit you, offer them the other one. I'm gonna to need to pray about that. Go, go ahead and pray about it. Go ahead and pray about it. But his word is still his word. If he went back on his word for any of us, Mr. Strickland, if he said, if he said to you, I love you so much, you are. You have overwhelmed me with your faithfulness and your generosity and your kindness and your stewardship and your love and your prayer and your devotion. I love you so much. I'm going to exempt you from this one thing that I have not exempted anybody else from. If he did that, the universe would collapse on itself and it cease to exist. because God is His word. And when we understand that, we start beginning to comprehend the potency and the power of this document right here because it's his will and testament for our life. And it all hinges, I I didn't mean to make you so happy tonight, it all hinges on my obedience to his testament. If you do, you've all read the book or seen the, you know, I know, I know back in the 80s or early 90s, they made a few goofy movies about it. Now they wrote, wrote, wrote a bunch of books about, it. you know, where somebody gets a letter in the mail and, and, and it's like a rich uncle. They didn't know they had, had $5 million. Says, if you get married before midnight, after my death, you know, three stooges did one of those. Remember Shemp had to get married and they tried to marry the music teacher and it was a hilarious thing. I know I, three stooges are great. And, and it's this crazy thing. You have to inherit all this money. You have to do this, right? And and it's 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 kind of like that. If you want, if I want all the inheritance of this book, I have to first obey the terms laid out before me. And here's the thing: I have no say so over the terms. It's not fair, and it's not. why is it not fair? God's not fair. He's just God. Some of you are going to choke on that. Show me the scripture that says God's fair. He's just. Sometimes it's fair, sometimes it ain't. But he's God. And here's what he said. When people got sideways with that with him, he goes, wait a second, Job, where were you? Where were you when I formed the mountains? Hey, were were you there when I put the stars out in the sky? Hey, Bubba, before you get mad at me for being God and not explaining myself to you, you need to stand up and give a record of yourself because he's just God. He's just God. Amen. let's land the plane here. It's It's so important that we understand the power of this document. I hope before we get done with this Bible study series, and whenever the Lord, it, it gets us done with, we will have such a greater love, and appreciation for this book. I w- I was reading, um, brother Lucas, if you'll come, it'll, it'll help me hurry. I was I was reading uh, brother Chase, um, or I'm in the process of reading a, another book. I feel like I'm always reading one, and um, it was a book that did a deep dive into the the first church the early church and uh, uh the, their church structure and how they had service now I, I will say this in some ways we differ from having service in the early church probably right they didn't have microphones they were in houses uh they're, they're probably but i do believe that the apostles walked in here right now they would be familiar they would say, oh, I feel what I, there's preaching the truth. There are songs being sang. There are people worshiping. There's all, all of these things, okay? But, but it's going to be a little different just because we have electricity, all right? But one of the things they were saying was the early church, because I, I, I've often wondered, you know, what did they sing? And somebody said, well, I'll fly away, obviously. All the old hymnal songs, what they sing. Like one person said one time, King James Version is the only Bible that we should be using. If it was good enough for Peter and Paul, it ought to be good enough for us. But I was thinking about it. And in this book, this this, uh, historian went so deep into this. And their songs obviously melodically are different than ours. They didn't have the the pianos and the guitars and all this stuff that we have at dulcimers and things like that but in house churches they'd have church underground and a lot of these places because of persecution they didn't even use instruments they couldn't use instruments not that they didn't church of Christ it's not there because they thought it was a sin it's, it's just they didn't have the ability right they didn't have the ability for persecution and other reasons but one of the things that they said that they would do is that they would chant it's we're like oh chanting. Well, to them, that was song. But what would they chant? So I, I dug deeper in this. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't, they didn't chant Scripture. They didn't have Scripture. What they had in the early first 30 to 60 years after the resurrection of Christ is they had firsthand account being told in the churches. And they would stand up and chant or sing that Jesus had said or the Psalms of David. And many of these non-Jewish people were somewhat fluent and proficient in the book of Psalms and some of the law of Moses because they would sing it. They would talk about it. They would chant it. All right? Why am I talking about that? Because the Word of God needs to become a part of our vocabulary. I think preaching, there's a reason we put the pulpit here. There's There's a reason it's in the service where it is. But I think the Word of God ought to flow through every aspect of our service, of our life. Right? And the early church got that. The early church got that. They understood Listen, I I hope I didn't uh, let you down tonight. We're getting into this document, but we've got to understand and appreciate the value of it. Do you know what the early church would have done with this? In seven years, they turned the world upside down from Pentecost, and they didn't even have a scripture put on paper. They turned the world upside down without a newspaper, without a radio, without TV, without the internet, without live stream, without Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, email, text, nothing. And in seven to ten years, the entire then known world had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they didn't even have a Bible. How did they know what to do? Got together. And somebody gave a firsthand account of what Jesus said because they heard it. Or they were taught it from the one that was there. And they would stand and they would often chant affirmations of their faith. Isn't that beautiful? They would stand up and they would, they would, in unison, they would learn this and they would stand and say, I will serve God faithfully. I commit my life to Christ. You got to read some of the early first-hand accounts and some of the things that they would declare. I will die before I deny my Lord. And the whole church would chant this and they would sing this unto the Lord. They would be faithful to His Word that He left them. That was only an oral form in them. I'm saying all of that to say this. This document that we have called the Bible has got to become priceless to us. It just has to be. We have generations or a generation in, in, in churches all over America and all over the world. That denominational or not, it doesn't even matter what persuasion of faith they are. They are falling out at alarming numbers right now. I'm not just talking about Folks that believe, I'm talking about every denomination, they are falling apart right now. You want to know why? Because they didn't fall in love with this. This became optional. The opinion of what the world thought of the church became more important than what the opinion of God was toward us. At some point we walked away from listening to the will and testament of Christ and we stepped away and said that's good but I'll do my own. I like this part, but I don't like that part. But we have to take the whole counsel of God. Amen. I hope this doesn't sound too simple tonight. I hope we fall in love with the Word of God. the point where you would weep and say, I would that your word was water that I might drink it. I would that it was physical bread that I might eat it. I would that it was a blanket that I might wrap myself in it. Folks, if we're ever going to know the will as in the inheritance of God, I remember putting my Bible on the floor. Now, please, I don't want to, if you put your Bible, listen, don't get mad at, don't, I'm not, listen, I'm just telling the story. I, I set mine on the floor from time to time. But I remember as a teenager setting my Bible on the floor. And I had a huddle of gray hair around me. Telling me that God's word was too precious to put where people's feet go. there's nothing in this Bible that says I can't put my Bible on the floor. There's nothing in here that says it. So why did they do that? Because they had a love for it. Can I just be transparent for about 90 seconds? Can I just say what I really feel? I've asked God many times, why do we, why does our generation not have that love? I'm not talking about sinners. I don't expect them to love God's word. I'm the church. You know what God told me? You know what God said to me? He said, because right now my people have a love for entertainment. They mocked us for years for our stand on entertainment and Hollywood and all this. Them old timers didn't have anything else to do but sit around and read the word of God. We've got every distraction at the tip of our finger. I don't read. I think God, Brother Garza is brilliant. Put that Bible app on there and in our app, and that's awesome. Use it. But for me, I can't, because I start getting texts. I start getting notifications. I have to turn my phone on Do Not Disturb and open up the physical Bible and read it, because there's too many distractions just flying at me, and I'm too ADHD to be able to. Because I'm still reading on this, and I'm thinking, well, what were they trying to say in that text? Maybe I ought to check this out. Emails flying in and thinking, well, could I really be the nephew of a rich Saudi prince? I don't know. I have to shut it down. I, my grandma kept her Bible on the on the chair, but on the, on the night on the table beside her recliner, and then it went with her to the bedroom and it went on the nightstand beside her, and it wasn't collecting dust. She was always in the Word. We could walk in from the house, uh, from the backyard, and that Bible would be laid open in her lap, and her head would just be swinging around, just speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking she must have got a revelation. Wasn't no great revelation she got. She had just read again about God's goodness, and it just overwhelmed her. We got all these distractions fighting for us, and if we don't, if we don't get back in the testament. We're gonna miss our inheritance. God's got more for us listen, than just the blessing of finances. I'd rather be poor and know my great grandkids would be saved. If I had to change money, if I had to determine my value, I'd rather leave this to a generation four times removed from me in the future then I would love to leave them millions. The only way it's going to happen is when I'm familiar with the God of this word. I I can't wait to talk to you about the inheritance but I have felt so strong from God throughout this so strong from the Lord throughout when I pray when I'm in the office I'm walking through the church and I'm praying during the day and in my mind I'm thinking okay we're going to go this and we're going to hit this point about the inheritance and oh this is going to be great and I can feel the spirit of the Lord just pulling the reins back going no, 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 no not yet I want my people to fall in love with I open my Bible at night and I'm in bed, I've got Bibles stacked on my nightstand. If I open one before I go to bed, my wife will look at me and go, go to the other room. It's three hours, easy, three hours. I'm gonna sit there and I'm reading and I'm writing and it's not even for sermon. It's just because there's something magnetic that just draws me in to the pages of this book because there's light. There's light. Say this and then I'm, we're gonna pray and close, and I don't mean to keep belaboring the point. But until we get to the point where our appetite goes to this, before it goes to Netflix or YouTube or Facebook, until that happens, we're never gonna comprehend the will of God in our life. Please, please don't take that as a chastisement that wasn't at all. Please don't take that as a I'm just saying. We, and God doesn't, we have to change our appetite.